On October 21st, 1978, Frederick Valentich, an Australian pilot with over 150 hours of experience in the air, headed out on a routine flight from Melbourne to King Island. It was a route he'd taken loads of times, but an hour into his flight, he radioed flight service about a mysterious craft following him. Throughout the conversation, he became increasingly frightened, and then the transmission was disrupted by a strange metallic sound. Despite weeks of searching, Fred and his plane were never seen again. I'm Carly Heath, and this week on the Astrology of Terrible Things podcast, I'm joined by actor and comedian Alyssa Phillips, and we pull up the astrology chart to try and figure out what happened to the pilot who disappeared from the sky. to the Astrology of Terrible Things podcast with me, Carly Heath. And this week, I'm joined by a very special guest, an actor and comedian who recently made the shortlist for Time Magazine's Person of the Year, Alyssa Phillips. I love how you just give it to me when it's all Hollywood strikers. Made <laughs> no, the we are not qualifying this. We are, we are stating it flatly. And you are putting it in your bio. Are you putting it in your bio on like Twitter and Instagram? No, should I? for Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Yeah. I will say my photo is pr- like of all the photos, everyone keeps making like photos of themselves with like a Time Magazine background. And mine was probably the first because mine was made by uh, Nick, who is Design is Blank, who made all of our like yeah. Mickey Mouse middle fingers and like the Netflix horn signs and stuff. So mine was probably the first cover that came out. I'm going to put it on my Tinder profile and see if that like ups the number of right swipes I get. Because it should. <laughs> Men are intimidated by talent. Have Men you- are intimidated by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever been, do you ever date like a funny guy, like a comedian? I try not to. Yeah. Um, well, especially stand-ups because we're such, tra- I mean, not me, but a, a lot, they're, they're not the best of romantic partners overall. <laughs> not all of them. I don't want to like group them all, but Overall, they're not the best of romantic partners. Have you ever been on a date with a guy? Yes. And then you no. see, <laughs> and then you see just like his whole soul deflate when he realizes that you're funnier than him. Um, sometimes I, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm funnier than, I mean, I guess I'm funnier than some of them, but not all of them. Um, for sure, there I've dated men who are funnier than me, but um, yeah, I think I also think because I'm just like a lot. Obviously, like I'm a lot. And I think sometimes I see men deflate when they realize that I'm like just more ambitious and like a like a bigger personality. Oh, no. She has a personality. She's interesting. She's a full human being. What the fuck am I dealing with? Yeah, they're like, oh, you think for yourself? Great. I'm out. And I'm like, great. That's fine. What else is new? I was excited to find out that you're into an astrology. What started you in astrology? Oh, God, I love astrology. I guess it found me. I found it. We found each other during the pandemic. Um... I had a friend at the time um, who wanted me to get into meditation and I was like, I don't meditate. Like, I just don't do it. And she was like, I really, I really think it'd be fun if during the pandemic we like got together. This is back in like the height of the pandemic and the lockdown. She was like, what if we virtually meditated together? And I was like, go fuck yourself. Can I curse on this? I just did. Um, (laughs) Yes, please. And um, I ended up giving in and we did this like 30 day meditation challenge or whatever. And I loved I love like it. every day for like an hour a day. I think for like- we did every day for I don't think it was an hour. I don't remember what the time was, but it was it was great. And I loved it and I fell in love with it. And it's so the antithesis of who I was at that point, because I'm like a crazy, like extroverted, like neurotic Jewish New Yorker. And um, and then from meditation, she was very into tarot readings and I was very skeptical and I uh, did one with her virtually and I loved it. And it just got me like naturally interested. And then I sort of, on my own accord, started looking more into astrology. And then I realized like how fascinating the synchronicities are, how fascinating the, that world is and just how much it explains so much. And doesn't like justify, but just explains so much. And I was like, why are we not all looking at <laughs> the placements of the planets and it makes so much sense 
you know, um, with the rising of the tides, it just, it, it all just kind of like made sense. And so I got kind of like engulfed in that. And ever since then, it's just like a huge part of my life. Wouldn't it be amazing? I keep on saying this. If they let us, if they taught astrology in elementary school, because I am now totally into math because of astrology. And it, I was not into math in school at all. I was not into a lot of things that were taught in school. And, but if they said, here is something that you can learn where you use math to predict the future. I would be like, what? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But they don't let you teach this in school because it's witchcraft and Christians dominated everything. <laughs> Which makes no – I mean, I get it, but it makes no sense. Like, yeah. I mean – it's science in a way. Like, it's, I mean, it is. Well, you it's can science. literally <laughs> prove it. Like, you know, you can pr- prove it, – it's weird because it's like archetypes. It's like, okay, there's going to be this thing that happens that's sort of war-related that has to do with, with a foreign country, and then there's going to be technology involved. So it's kind of like that, and then it happens that day, and you're like, oh, okay, so that was the, that was the thing, you right. know? Right, yeah. And even like sometimes, you know, you, you figure out what the placements are – and what that could mean. And you're like, and you know that it doesn't mean it, it, it could be literal, but it doesn't have to be literal and it doesn't have to be personal to you, but it could be happening overall in general. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's just fascinating. It's good to know, you know, it's not like I, I wake up and I, and I see where the placements are and I'm like, well, this, like, and I plan out like, well, this is how my day is going to be and this is how it's going to go. But it is like food for thought. And it's like, great, this Mm -hmm. is what's going on in the universe and this is what's going on for me personally with my own personal placements and good to know and maybe these are things to look out for or be careful with like I find a lot of the time for me at least personally I'm like be careful of what you say think before you speak I think that's been very helpful for me um it's been good reminders for me you know and it's like and it's also like when there are certain placements where I'm like you know um things are opening up, things are widening, like, you know, things with regards to like abundance and stuff. I'm like, good, this is a good day to like, just be open to it and just physically for me, like open my arms and just like invite everything in and everything. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I don't know. I find it helpful. I I know there are skeptics out there and that's fine. And I enjoy it. So for me, I'm keeping it. Uh, This summer, you've been a strike captain at Disney and you manifested a fair contract and you're you've been manifesting a fiance. I'm working on that part. Uh, let's talk about that fiance. <laughs> Is there a spe- specific genre, category, species of fiance that you're looking for? At this point, I'll pretty much take whatever I can get. You know what I'm saying? I feel like beggars can't be choosers. Okay, let's 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 just explore this a little <laughs> bit. Um, so so gender. We'll just start vague. Gender. Male. Okay. That said, are you aware that male fiancés turn out to be husbands? <laughs> uh, yes. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Okay, I don't. And according to those, the, the husbands are the ones that do all the murders. See, aren't there aren't there a, a lot of women that do the murders? I've heard of a lot of these true crime podcasts where it's a lot of women doing the murders. Isn't the number one killer of women men? Isn't the number one killer of men women? (laughs) No, it's heart disease. But like like imagine your your best guy friend is like, I'm going to manifest some heart disease this year. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh, honey, maybe you don't want to do that because that's the number one killer of men. That's really funny. Um... No, I. <laughs> now I'm just thinking well, I, no, I think the future I, of my husband dying from heart disease. <laughs> no, I, I, I think as long as you have some knives, like backup, some like pepper spray, I'm good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. I'm like, prepared. like prepared. I'm not scared. Okay, you're not scared. No, cool. yeah, yeah. Okay. Men make things pretty difficult. But you too. do have your uh, your seventh house perfection year coming up, which is is, is that something that you know about? No. Okay. According to astrology and the principle of time lords, uh, your annual perfection is the year, the part of your chart that gets activated. So next year for your next birthday, the seventh house is going to be activated for you. And that deals with partnerships. And that deals with like one-on-one relationships with other people. So you're going to you're, you're going to be focused on meeting someone either for business or for romantic interests or 
what have you. Uh-huh. And this is going to be a, it, it might also be something that's kind of happening a little bit now because Mercury just went into your seventh house. Right. So you're probably communicating with someone that's going to be important um, for a little bit because Mercury is going to go retrograde in a little bit. So yeah. it's going to be like a back and forth sort of thing between a partnership with someone and then something related to the work that you do is going to be kind of a theme that comes up here in December, early January. And, um, but for your whole like next birthday, which is February 16th, it's going to be all this partnership with this other person. So any ideas what that might be? You know, um, I get tarot readings done pretty regularly. I have like, um, two spiritual advisors, uh, that are friends with each other actually that I go back and forth with. And everything you're saying sort of like lines up with what they're saying. And so for me, it, it's just weird. It's like kind of like, um, it's this weird feeling of like, well, I don't know exactly what it could be. I have a couple of like guesses or inklings or hopes. And I just keep trying to be like patient about it and like getting excited, but not too excited. Cause you know, we're in entertainment. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want to get your hopes up too much. Um, but, um, um, I, I hope it's, I hope it's related to my entertainment career. Yay. Venus is in your seventh house. So Venus is that like, as a Venus ruled first house, you know, making art and entertainment and making people enjoy my shit. That's my life. But you have a Saturn ruled Venus. So you're very, it's funny because you're so like, you're so fun. And, you know, you got that Jupiter-ruled uh, moon ruling your first house, so that Jupiter energy. But then, like, there is a, this serious you, – you're a hard worker. Yes. You uh, – there's this nice mutual reception between Saturn and Venus in your chart. You're a hard worker, and you get that from your parents? For sure. Yeah. Definitely my my mom and all the women in my family. I mean, it's kind of like how I was saying to you before we started. It's like we're all, like, natural-born leaders. Like, um, we're very career-focused. We're very, we're very, you know, but almost to a fault. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's what I was saying. Like, I almost have to remind myself to put on my own oxygen mask sometimes. But there's some difficulty, though, also. There's, like, some challenge with, and where you live right now, could that be something that maybe comes up in the next year or so? Like maybe you might be moving. Oh God, I hope not. Year. I love where I live, but um, I I think the one thing that comes to mind is I don't rest enough. Like I don't mm. sleep enough. Mm. Um, which has like always been the case, but I think it's starting maybe because I'm getting older. Like it's just starting to like really catch up with me. Like I'm I'm really starting to feel that like on the like the day after, a good example is like the day after the strike, I was like, I'm ended. I was like, I'm not setting an alarm and I'm going to let my body sleep. And my body mm-hmm. slept till like 10 a.m. And I normally get up at like six. And I was like, oh, you needed rest, honey. Yeah. But I don't go to bed until two. So if I wake up until six, if I wake up at six, it's four hours of sleep a night. I understand. Not very healthy. But normally I can function on that. But I think it's, I'm finally starting to be like, I need to figure out something within my home life at night where I need to make it a little bit I need to go to bed I need to find a way to like rest my brain and go to bed yeah but to be fair it's like I'm either waiting tables late at night or performing stand-up and I get home and I'm wired yeah so you know I gotta figure it out I'll figure it out yeah well you will be figuring it out coming up by your well one you feel like you have to (laughs) yeah one before uh it's February because that's you're still in your sixth house year. Right. So you've been in your like serving your community year. Uh, that's what this has all been about. We definitely uh, served our community yeah, this year. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, then you know in February you'll be in your your seventh house year where you're like that Venus will be activated. So it, it'll be good for you to like get in touch with Venusian things with like beauty comfort. Like eating good food, like feeling good about yourself, all of that stuff. It seems like you could really use like a relationship. Period. Business-wise <laughs> or, yeah. I'm just kidding. Or romantically with someone kind of serious. 
like a kind of a serious, like a organized, like per- like this almost has like manager energy. Like this has like the energy of like, here, I'm going to plan out what you need to do. Or like a producer coming in and being like, Alyssa, be- that, that show that you've been pitching, let's just get this going. That's what it, that's what I'm hoping it is. I know. I don't, honestly, it, it freaking feels like looking at the chart, Look, it feels that way. And then the year after that, you have some money coming in your way are well, that's you that's great i know like in the past have you ever gotten like money from family or like a father figure or like an authority figure i mean my there was a period of time where my parents helped me out financially when i first moved to la um nine years ago um because i was struggling yeah um that's good that you have that though one thousand percent i'm yeah. so great i'm so grateful i mean they haven't done that in a long time I don't need them to I think if I if I needed them find it I don't I I mean they're not in a great place financially either but um I think if I needed them they would be there but I haven't had to I haven't needed that in a long time and and yeah no money received from family not that I'm aware of okay well it seems like a next year not next year after this first birthday where you meet this partner this business partner this creative partner this romantic partner whatever this partner is that you're gonna meet then there's gonna be like this shared resources other money coming in that's related to communication that's really i and i see like this where you live uh is gonna be changing and then this it's related to your words and it's related to your star quality like you know because whenever the sun is there it's like that's your shiny shiny light i mean if i could make a lot of money and leave burbank and move to toluca lake up the street in a home that would be amazing we'll have to see i'm we'll in. Have to see i'm We're excited gonna, yeah we'll have a part two yeah we'll do we'll do a ch- check-in from my housewarming party in toluca lake yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had a paranormal experience in your life? It, it had seen something that you could had not explain and uh, seen, felt, heard? Felt. Ooh, tell us about it. I have absolutely, um, a couple of times, um, and it's not like a specific, like, um, like this event occurred, but there have been times, because I've told this to my spiritual advisor, where like, I will be sleeping in bed and I can feel the presence of someone come behind me and like put covers on me and like Ooh. wrap me up in the blanket and like lay down beside like behind me in like a in like a very like almost like a parental way um, and like wrap me up, which is always so funny because as a little girl, my mom like I loved being like wrapped up in a blanket and she would like put the blanket under my like under my legs and Aww. my feet and she would tuck me in really tight and I loved it. And, um, a couple times I've, I've woken, I've woken up and I'm like, first, someone was there, someone was here and they tucked me in. And I remember cause the first time it like freaked me out. I got really, really, oh. I was like, what? I, I was scared. Um, but, um, it's happened a couple times where someone has, has, has done that, has like tucked me in and like, do you think it's me. like a grandparent? My my gut tells me it would be my maternal grandmother, uh-huh. but I don't know. Um, the, pre- the chart tells me it, it's your maternal grandmother. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that would... Um, out of my four grandparents, they all died when I was kind of pretty young. But... Um, so my memories are pretty vague, but I was for sure very close to my maternal grandmother. Her death hit me. I, I don't remember how old I was. I want to say I was like 10 or 12 maybe, but like, oh no, I, must, I may have been older because she was there for my bat mitzvah. Um, but um, I know her death hit me hard and yeah, and we are very, very similar personality wise. We are mm. very, very similar. Um, so yeah, so I, I always think it's her, but I, I don't know if it's her and there's not like a feeling that it's her, like there's been no confirmation that it's her for me, but that's what I always think it is. And as far as like other paranormal things, do you believe in UFOs or aliens or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I'm open to it. I feel like it'd be silly for us to be close minded to the fact that there are other universe, there are other planets out there and other forms of life on these planets. Um, Sometimes I don't like using the word like alien because I think it like puts them in a different category, but like they're 
for sure, and I mean, like, in, like, a negative way, like, for sure, I believe there are different living species on other planets. What sort of kid were you? Very similar to how I am now. <laughs> um, loud and boisterous and extroverted. Did your classmates love you? And we're like, oh, She's going to, like... Let's ask them. I think so. <laughs> she, she, she's going to, like, disrupt the class and make us all laugh. Um, I don't know if I disrupted, but, but yeah, definitely, like, loud and... I think loud is, and neurotic and maybe to the point of annoying for some people. Um, but always, like, very theatrical. Um, yeah. Okay. This is the part of the show where I get to... You sent me a chart... And I have to describe what happened. Oh, and by the way, I never did the short show intro, so I'm going to do it now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. This is the Astrology of Terrible Things podcast where we talk about amusement park disasters, serial killers, catastrophic accidents, and all sorts of things that usually result in people dying. We do this because we're trying to figure out why bad things happen. If that's something that you don't want to hear about, then please do not listen to the show. Uh, Now, Alyssa has brought in an astrology chart that shows the positions of the planets at a specific time during an event that happened, and all of the dates, locations, and identifying features have been removed, and I am supposed to determine what sort of event this was based simply on the positions of the planet at the time of this chart. Can I just say it's so funny? Like, I knew the name of the podcast, and I knew the the reasoning behind it, but I did ask Carly. I did reach out to to her and I, you're so sweet because I was like can it be something funny can it be like not a terrible thing and I like that's like the antithesis of what the podcast is about but I was like let's be like what if it was like the last episode of friends like you know what I mean like that's sad but I that's not what we did that's fine that's fine by the way um do you ever like talking about terrible things is this something that you have a previous interest in or is part of your life. I mean, I don't, like, call up friends or my mom to be like, hey, let's talk about, you know, the Holocaust. But, like, you know, but I'm not opposed to it. But I will say this was, like, really difficult for me to, like... Interesting. Like, to think of something that, like, I I would be kind of interested about, like, looking at the chart of. and, um, And even as I was, like, going through the chart myself, I was, like, I felt bad. I was, like... Who wants to dissect such a horrible thing? I was, this is awful. But, I, you know, we, we can learn from it, I, I think. So yeah. I understand the importance of it. Okay, so this is a Libra rising chart with a sun in Libra and Mars in the first house mm-hmm. uh, kind of conjunct the, um, just past the south node and... It's technically a night chart because the sun is below the horizon, but it's early morning. And so that makes the most malefic planet Saturn in the sixth house of the house of bad fortune, uh, being ruled by Jupiter in the eighth house, the house of death and other people's finances and things like that. And the, uh, like I said, Mars in the first house and then the sun or the, the moon is in Cancer mm-hmm. there in the 10th house, and Venus is in the 11th house. Venus is ruling the first house um, in the 11th house, which is Leo. So there's a mutual reception between Venus and the sun. So this makes me think that this is a well-known figure uh, who is involved in the arts. There is an ag- there is an aggressive ending. There is like a other person involved here that is either being ended, their life is over, or it's the person, the main person whose life is over. It's getting really close. There will soon be an eclipse in a couple days after this. I'm freaking chart. out. Go ahead, continue. I'm listening. I'm just putting my hoodie over my head because it's all too real. Go ahead, continue with your assessment. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's also this, like, a misfortune related to water. Uh, I almost want to say they're traveling somewhere that resulted in a death 
like there's this like I, I'm pretty sure it's an ending that is one person did to the other person or and this is a widely publicized so what was this the arts part is what interests me but do you want to know what it was yes it's the moment it's 6 30 in the morning in Israel on October 7th when Hamas attacked oh uh, Israel oh but you're so correct or you know it's so interesting how you saw so much of you know like like the one person did to another to another person. and ending and um and, um, and even the water aspect because you know palestinian militants opened fire on israeli boats and just that it's like so widely publicized yeah that was probably like when i was looking looking at the sun the public nature of it wow it's interesting that mars just passed the south node at that point so the this is this is sort of like related to the past, you know. Sure, and I mean, yeah, there's like the. I guess that's what the South Node there is, like the past and the um, the Moon is moving into a square aspect with with Mars. That's really interesting. I mean, yeah, the history of yeah, there's Israel like the and Palestine goes back yeah. a long ways. So yeah. This is future Carly jumping in. So after Alyssa and I recorded the podcast, I went to Wikipedia to look up the Hamas attack to see what was the Venus and 11th house symbolism happening. And I saw that the attack happened at a music festival. So there you go. There's that Venus in 11th house thing. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a really heavy chart. Yeah, it is. A, I know when it came up, I was like, this is this is a crazy looking chart. Do you ever look at Putin's chart? Because I haven't. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I looked. It's disturbing. Yeah, yeah. His birth chart is like really disturbing. Yeah, not a good guy. I was looking at uh, Zelensky and Putin when, you know, that whole Ukraine war was happening. But it was nice because I was really worried for Zelensky. His chart looked really hard, oh. like as far as the things that were happening that year. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, is this going to be bad for him? But he persevered. And it just goes to show he had a lot of Saturn things happening. But it just goes to show if you Saturn, you can survive really yeah. terrible situations if you do your Saturn good. And Zelensky does his Saturn good. Do your Saturn good. You got to make that into a t-shirt. Thank you. Do your Saturn good. I like that. I would buy that. Saturn's the big daddy teacher who has the hard lessons. But if you are I like, I will do the hard lessons. I will do the hard things. Okay, I'm going to show you my event. Um, and I'll, I'll show you the chart and I won't show you the thing. Tell me what you see. Oh, wait, I'm really bad at this. It's okay. Just tell me any weird things that you see. It's a, it's a uh, Taurus rising chart and it's very have, heavy on this side of yeah. the chart <laughs> it's a taurus rising chart being ruled by a retrograde venus in scorpio okay where venus doesn't do really good in scorpio and right. venus That's, doesn't it's do in its detriment in scorpio but if you're in but if you're in retrograde in your detriment, is that doubly bad? Or does yeah. it do like, oh, well, then that sucks. <laughs> okay. Um, and <laughs> moving into a conjunction with Mars. That also sounds really bad because I think war. I think like turmoil. I think angry aggression. And that that Venus is also um, ruling a sun that is in Libra uh, in the okay. sixth house. Well, sun in Libra to me says like balance. But uh, keep She's in like, mind, this wrong. is being this is being ruled by a a very a retrograde oh, Venus right. in her detriment, and the Sun is in the sixth house, which is the house of bad fortune. And but notice also, uh, Jupiter is right there on the icy. Yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> it is a weird event. <laughs> I will say that I actually haven't like thought through this chart very much. Just uh, looking at it myself, I was like, I'm just gonna take a screenshot, put it on here, and then think. Think what it through it? on the podcast. Okay, I'll tell you it. This is the disappearance of Frederick Valentek, who was an Australian pilot in 1978. I will tell you his story. How did you know who this person was? Because I'm a weirdo and I love <laughs> these like really weird things. And I'm into the paranormal and I'm into aliens and UFOs and... Were, this came from a September 29th, 1993 episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my and God. If, <laughs> if you get a chance, go to YouTube and watch the episode of Unsolved Mysteries because it is so heartwarming. They do the dramatizations of 
things, you yeah. know? And the actors, they do so much acting in these dramatizations. And the special effects from the early 90s. So bad. So good. I know. It's so, so bad. It's good. good. The graphics, the, uh, the, the Unsolved Mysteries graphics. Yeah, it's like 3D. blurry and it's like grainy. So good. I love it. Love it. Okay, so let's go back in time to okay. October 1978. In America, the top three grossing films of the year are Grease, Saturday Night Fever, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Two of which have John Travolta. That's amazing. I know. He was kicking go it John. in 1978. That was probably during his Zodiacal releasing peak year. I love I will that. have to look up his Zodiacal releasing and see what he was doing, but he was kicking ass. I love that. Uh, in Australia, the top grossing film of 1978 was guess do you know what it was no star wars which came out in 1977 they needed a year to dub it into australia oh that would make sense that would make sense that's really funny they needed to put uh kangaroos in a few of the shots <laughs> just so that the australians could understand what was happening not all actors speak r2d2 okay um on october 21st 1978 mm-hmm. A 20-year-old pilot was flying a single-engine Cessna across the Bass Strait towards King Island. I have a map here. And this is a little island between Melbourne and Tasmania. Here's the map. So he's flying. And by the way, he's 20. Yeah, I was like, he's a child. And he had been flying for two years. So he'd been flying since he was 18. Who is giving an 18-year-old a plane. You know what I was doing when I was 18? You don't want to know what I was doing when I was 18. <laughs> what were you doing when you were 18? I What's don't remember it exactly. <laughs> the thing is, I uh, researched the drink legal drinking age in Australia. I'm like, wait, th- they're not giving people drinks, but they're giving people planes? No, it, they probably were. It was, yeah, it was 18. Yeah, I think could. everywhere but the U.S. I think was like 18. I th- but I just think the pilot age, the age that you give someone a plane, should be a little higher than 18. You know what, though? I mean, to be fair, like, in Israel, when you turn 18, you go into the army. Jeez. That's... You know, like, and you have to. It's, like, mandatory. Uh, Everyone serves in the army. I, me, if I was mandatory, if, the, if they, like, decided to put me in the army, I would cry a lot. Same. And I would say, my toe hurts, and <laughs> I'm sweaty, and I don't like this. I would just like start talking to them. I'd be like, do you really think this mouth should be in the military? I feel like, I mean, I could wear them down with how annoying I'd be. But yeah. Everyone would be like, please, can you not put Carly in our- <laughs> She'll just complain the whole time. Nobody would want it. That's so funny. Uh, he'd, okay, so he'd already been flying for two years at this point. Um, he had 150 hours of solo flying time and it had been his dream to become a commercial pilot he flew this route many times before it was fairly routine for him at 6 19 p.m he took off from an airport near melbourne and the plan was to fly west for 40 minutes along the australian coast then at cape otway he would head south over the bass strait Everything was going fine, and then at 7.06 p.m., he radioed Melbourne Flight Service to report that a craft was following him at 4,500 feet. The craft appeared to be illuminated by four bright landing lights, and he said it passed him at about 1,000 feet overhead and was moving at a high speed. Fred then said that the craft was approaching him from the east, and that whoever this other pilot was, was purposely toying with him. He described the craft as having a shiny metallic surface with a green light on it. And this is his quote from the recording. It's a long shape. It's coming for me, hovering on top of me. He then began having engine problems. He described his plane as coughing. And when the flight service asked him to identify what type of aircraft it was, Fred said, it's not an aircraft. The last 15 seconds of the radio recording are this bizarre metallic sound. Stop. <laughs> and I'll play, the, I'll play the metallic sound. Let's do it. Shut up. You have the metallic sound? I have the whole, like, well, okay. This, uh, the actual recording of their exchange, they only have the, the pilot side of it. Right. Um, but so it's like a dramatization of the air traffic controller side, but I have the metallic sound here. Let's let's listen to it. So. 
What is that? What is that? To this day, yeah. we do not know what happened to Fred. His plane, Fred and his plane were never seen again. What do you mean they weren't seen again? They weren't seen again. He they com- disappeared? They disappeared. Melbourne police received reports that same evening of a plane making a mysterious landing near Cape Otway. Police didn't follow up and can't confirm because police always do. You want to you want to get something done? Do anything but call the police. Should have called my Jewish mother. She would have gotten it figured out. <laughs> Rescue s- crews searched over a thousand square miles and they could not find. And here's the thing. He fueled up with enough fuel for like an 800 mile trip. They searched over a thousand square miles and could not find him. That's bizarre. Uh, the Melbourne Flight Service guy who talked to Fred said that he'd had so many strange sightings from pilots around the time of Fred's disappearance, like before Fred's disappearance, that when Fred radioed him the first time, he, he just said, here we go again, another strange pilot saying something strange is in the sky. Around uh, October 1978, like I said, there were so many unusual sightings in the southern Australian skies. The RAF reported that on the 18th, a man observed a stationary object in the southern sky that was circular. It was a light circular disk. On the 20th, a woman watched an object over Mount Fuller, east of Alexandra, traveling south by southwest in an arc. She described it as a zeppelin or a massive trout with windows, no wings, and it was silver. Other people were witnessing tons of other strange lights around the Cape Oldway lighthouse. Um, This is a map of all of the sightings, the UFO sightings from that time. And as you can see, all the way, all, all all these sightings around southern Australia. All of it. Look at all these. That's so even bizarre. over there in New Zealand. Yeah. Wow, like, that's insane. Yeah. Um, this uh, NASA sci- scientist Richard Haynes. Uh, ha- I'll play a little clip of what he has to say about it. The uh, search and rescue operation went into effect the next morning. He did not arrive uh, on time, and so automatically the authorities set up an SAR, it's called, Search and Rescue Operation. The uh, Royal Australian Air Force uh, got into uh, uh, gear and flew P-3 search planes. His friends uh, at the air club mounted an effort and took off and flew crisscross patterns and so forth the next day, several days actually. They could find nothing. No wreckage has ever been found. Uh, the long-range model Cessna had flotation uh, tanks in the wings in various parts of the fuselage. So something should show up sooner or later on a beach. And the parts of the aircraft fuselage have serial numbers stamped into them. And so sooner or later, something should show up, but nothing ever did. That's so... The 70s maritime, were a uh, wild time. A, a... The 70s were a wild time in Australia <laughs> is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> John Travolta, Star Wars, and UFOs. Yeah. So I have I have some evi- more evidence, more uh, things. Uh, six weeks after Fred's disappearance, amateur photographer Roy Manifold came forward. He claimed that on that very evening, he'd set up a camera at Cape Odaway and was planning on taking pictures of the sunset. And in the last photo, there was a black spot on the upper right corner of his photograph. And at first he believed that it was a developing error. However, a photo examiner found no dirt or damage on the negative. The strange mark was determined to be in the photograph. American photo analysts determined that it was a metallic object, apparently in a cloud of exhaust. And it was apparently a mile from the camera. And this, this is the object that Roy, so weird. Roy Manifold took a picture of. It's sort of, it's uh, about an inch above the horizon. It's sort of shaped like a... I don't even know how to describe this to people listening. A I, potato I that got like slammed on one side a little <laughs> bit. Like with a, with a door. Like if you were to take a potato and then like shove it into the corner of a door your mind goes into weird places girl (laughs) i'm here for it and then like there's like a little bit of smoke 
like sticking out the end of it. Uh, and then there's like a, some discoloration around the front of it. Uh, he said he took the photos at 6.47 p.m., 20 minutes before Valentik radioed Melbourne about the craft following him. A farmer near Adelaide reportedly witnessed a craft hovering over his property the morning after Valentech went missing. It's claimed that he saw a Cessna stuck to the side of the craft, leaking oil. The farmer even scratched the plane's registration number onto his tractor, but he never came forward with information because he was ridiculed by friends. Of course he was. Investigators are trying to find a copy of Valentech's final transmission that was originally aired on Melbourne radio station 3XY, but it's disappeared. The radio station doesn't have it. The internet doesn't have it. It used to be like on the internet and then it got taken down. So no one has this stuff. I know. Uh, From Unsolved Mysteries, and this was one of the dramatized things they showed on Unsolved Mysteries, which yeah. was great, great acting. So they had like a little family dressed up in 1970s gear with like a Love. vintage 1970s car. And it was a witness who came forward and said that he was traveling with his family when they noticed unusual activity in the sky. He saw a lime green light flying about 100 feet from a small aircraft, and they both flew closer and closer to each other before disappearing from his view. Some additional info. So what are you thinking so far? I mean, it's fascinating that they haven't found anything. The the part that that's like skeptical to me, obviously, if I'm if I'm if I'm getting if I'm playing that card is like people seeing a green light, you know, a, an orb shaped thing in the sky. Because I do think sometimes people come up with that stuff, but I you you can't fight the fact that they haven't found anything. They have found no evidence. Okay, they did find something five years later. What did they find? They find found a flap of a Cessna engine. Uh, uh, um, it was like about 500 miles away on the other little island. Oh, I have it written down here. Uh, five years later? Yeah, it was like, yeah, five five years later on the other little island on the other side of Tasmania. Um and here's the thing, like, there's, like, a thousand Cessna crashes every year. Right. Uh, it could be any Cessna. It could be any Cessna. Flap. Yeah. I just think it's weird they found no evidence of him or the aircraft. Yeah. But I also don't know what things were like in the in 1978 with regards to search and rescue. Yeah. I don't mean to sound skeptical again, but, like, it's yeah, weird. Yeah, sonar and stuff, and something can go into the... Into the Water. I gotta believe that even in seventy eight, they had good ways of but, but, searching. Yeah, but they there were flotation like those flotation right. things on the on the aircraft on the aircraft. So it wouldn't like crash into the water and then just like disappear. It would float. Float. And they search for a thousand miles. It's weird. So some sketch stuff. Fred loaded four extra life jackets onto his plane. Um, he loaded up with 800 miles worth of fuel for a 200 mile round trip. He told his parents that he was going to King Island to pick up crayfish, but the people on King Island said that no crayfish order was made and there were no crayfish that day. Okay, so this guy was having an affair with another woman and he didn't want anyone to know, but he had to tell his parents something. So crayfish seemed like the obvious out. Crayfish is my excuse for everything from now on. My love language is crayfish. (laughs) (laughs) He told airport employees that he was picking up other passengers on the island, but there were no friends located or identified on King Island who are waiting to be picked up. Okay, do we know the psych, like the the sanity status of this man? Like, was I, he mentally disturbed? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you some other kind of facts about his life, uh, and I personally believe this this fellow was. Autism spectrum, love it, love love our autism spectrum folks. Uh, he he was he collected obsessively uh, alien and UFO clippings. He was 
very into having this dream of flying, but he always didn't do great on the tests. And I'm like, sir, that is, you are hyper-focused on something. You love aliens and you don't do good on tests, but you're really, really smart. You are autistic, aren't you? Maybe he got too close to figuring out the answers and they had to get rid of him. That could be it too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay, uh, before the flight, He told his girlfriend he would meet her for dinner at 7.30, but he left at 6.19 for a 200-mile trip. So he's a liar. He would have never gotten back by 7.30. So he's a a male liar. (laughs) Using crayfish as an example. Or just really bad at time management. Which is a very male thing to do. Which is like, oh yeah, I can make a 200-mile trip and get back by 7.30. Can you, sir? Interesting. The, okay. Oh, Finders, Flinders Island. That was the island that it got washed up on the engine flap. Five years after the Cessna's disappearance. Um, not clear if it belonged to... Okay. So the first theory is aliens. Duh. <laughs> how, 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 how are you feeling about the aliens theory? I'm not there yet. Okay. I'm not counting it out, but I'm not there. The second theory is that Fred ended his own life and staged this crash and this conversation with the flight service fellow so that he could be immortalized in ufo lore he was repeatedly failing at the commercial pilot licensing exam he never notified the tower at king island that he would be landing there there were conflicting Mm. reasons given for him going to king island Mm -hmm. But then why did he load four life jackets onto his plane? To stage it. To make it look like something. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. to make it look like something. So it, it, it could appear to go along with that story. Yeah. Uh, it does almost sound like he tried to end his life. Yeah. Uh, but it still makes no sense why they couldn't find anything. Yeah. You can't stage that. <laughs> you can't stage not finding. Yeah, you can't stage or disappear. You know what I'm saying? You, you, yeah. you can't plan that. Yeah. That's the part that trips me up is the fact that they didn't find anything. Yeah. Um, So a UFO book, Chariot of the Gods, was among his possessions. His family said that he was not depressed and not affected by his failures. Yeah, but they could also not know. That's just like parents being like, oh, my kid is really happy when, no, mom, I've been telling you for years I messed up. You know what I'm saying? Not you, mom. I love you very much. But yeah, other moms. He believed he saw a UFO previously and was anxious that they might attack him someday. Okay, he sounds, I don't want to whatever, but he sounds like he's like a little mentally ill. What a not nice thing to say, but that's where my gut's going. I'm just going to stick with it. This It's tricky because we're all, we're getting this from other people saying things. Yeah, that's so true. And I hate that. I hate like that kind of speculation, but that's what we're here to do. Um, but he disappeared. Okay. Here's the other little nail in the coffin. Uh, Fred's girlfriend said that six days before he vanished, he discussed the possibility of leaving on an alien spacecraft. I don't, I don't even know what to make of that. I because make of that either. I know. Uh, so was this a ruse that somehow went horribly wrong? Did he maybe, since he had 800 miles worth of fuel, did he maybe like steer his plane way, way out into the ocean and then dump it like way, way out in the ocean? But they went looking. Didn't you say they went looking like a thousand miles? That, a thousand square miles. So it's not a thousand miles each direction. Heard. It's a thousand square right. miles. So it's, what is that? 250 miles so maybe he did maybe he did go for it. i still think it's weird that they never found anything but if you're not looking in the right place yeah and it's the 1970s i mean not for nothing it almost if it does kind of sound like he has autistic tendencies it almost sounds like he's smart enough to know that he took the plane far enough where he wouldn't be found mm-hmm. i think it's weird that neither his body mm-hmm. nor his aircraft were ever found yeah that part is really strange to me. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. But the, but like being abducted or something also seems like we just have no evidence of, uh, right? There, as far as I know, there's no evidence, because how could there be, of someone being like actually abducted yeah. by foreign species. So it's like, how do you know? Yeah. It's just something we don't know enough about. This is his birth chart. Um, we don't have a timed chart for him, but he was a Gemini sun. Uh, with his son moving into an opposition with Saturn in Sagittarius uh, over near the galactic center. I mean, which is, this is a dumb question, but if you're a Gemini sun, um, 
Don't they say like Gemini's are like, and I, this is not a nice thing to say, but this is like a general, a generalization. Aren't a lot of schizophrenics Gemini's? Yeah, the mythology associated with Gemini is Castor and Pollux, the two twins. Right. And the idea is one twin had to go up, got to go up to Olympus while the other twin was in Hades. And then they had, they shared their immortality. So then they would switch places. Right. So the idea is that Geminis often have two sides of themselves. Right. You have the light side that you like to show to people, but then you also have the dark hidden side that Geminis who tend to be a little bit unhealthy uh tend to keep that side really repressed and hidden uh do you know any gemini's i'm sure i do and they're, i just can't think of them off the top of my head yeah they're really good they're really good at putting things into words they're they're really witty they're really uh they're but they're a little <laughs> i will tell you one story about a gemini i accidentally rolled my car into the intersection um after a stoplight and bumped someone very lightly didn't even make a dent on their car but then got out and did the whole like exchange information yeah and i saw that the person's driver's license they, they were a gemini oh my and god I, I love where this is going i love that you looked <laughs> i love that you looked and so at the time she was saying you know we can just solve this amongst ourselves we don't have to call insurance and i mm. just said yeah 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 sure i saw that she was a gemini i immediately went home and called my insurance and I'm glad that I did I was ask, because okay. she turned out to be crazy. I'm not saying Geminis are crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, this is a Gemini. I have a feeling. See, is what I'm saying. If you know <laughs> someone's birth, like that's what I'm saying. It's important information to have. <laughs> so she ended up being a big problem. I'm glad that my insurance dealt with her because she uh, kept on trying to contact me over and over again. And it was weird. Uh, the... Okay, so Mars and Aries, uh, he's got a lot of really well-dignified planets. Uh, the uh, Venus in Taurus, uh, Jupiter retrograde in Libra, uh, Pluto on the cusp between Leo and Virgo. Um, like I said, Saturn in Sagittarius. And just look, looking at the symbolism of Saturn in Sagittarius, if this was a night chart, retrograde Saturn in Sagittarius, death by long distance travel, traveling far away. Uh, and even if you were to go with Mars in Aries as the malefic, you know, that's a r really well dignified malefic. That's like, I'm going to do this brave thing. It almost sounds like, it almost starts to sound to me like he went out for a quest not to go to this other island for crayfish, that he... That he was going out to look for something and that things, I don't know if things went awry or if maybe he gave up and he was like, this is it. Like, I didn't find what I was looking for. Maybe he did find what he was looking for. But it almost feels like it, it was an, an intentional trip for something other than crayfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moon in Pisces, his, his moon in Pisces, this is a birth chart. You know, that's a dreamer. That's someone who has... Yeah fantasies and yeah. love it love that in an individual this obviously so i know uh dreams big this is the chart of the death of the well of the disappearance i should say okay so wow. what you said though about another woman made me think because this is a venus retrograde chart um, so, like, this moment is a Venus retrograde moon moment being ruled by Mars, Venus and Scorpio. Um, and Venus is moving into a really close conjunction with Mars. Venus is meeting Mars. It makes me feel, it does feel kind of like that. An affair. Uh, an or affair. Like a, or an, the want of an affair. Like, I wonder if there was someone on King Island that maybe he was meeting a, another woman. Um, but then or three other, four other women with the four. Of the, I mean, maybe this is the start of orgies. Like, who knows? I'm just being silly. Um, it's interesting, though. There are four. There's Mercury, Uranus, Mars and Venus, and Venus in Scorpio in the house that deals with other people. And that's four planets in the house that deals with other people. That's a little. See, that but, to me is a little bananas. But why wouldn't anyone say, oh, yeah, he was going to meet us, you know, but did they look hard enough? Did they ask around? But this enough? is what I'm saying. But also, it's like, what if they didn't want to say anything? What if they didn't want to be found? What if they didn't want people to know? Yeah. There's just too much unknown. Yeah. 
Oh, he, and he was in his ninth house year because uh, he was 20. So that ninth house deals with long distance travel. Uh, he, on, on, on the IC here in the fourth house is Jupiter. So Jupiter, the planet associated with long distance travel. I wonder if he flew somewhere 800 miles away that, and then crashed. Unintentionally. Out, out there. Intentionally. Trying to be a part of UFO lore. I don't know. That kind of sounds about right. Like it does. Yeah. It does. Which is so sad. But it just goes back to mental health. <laughs> Everything goes yeah. back to mental health. Um, and this is a night chart, and Saturn, the most malefic planet, is in the house that's associated with having fun and romance and things well, yeah, of that nature. You romanticize that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, that is that's so sad. my crazy story. Uh, that's my crazy story. And this is the char- the two charts combined, and Jupiter was. Transit Jupiter was moving into a conjunction with his natal Uranus, which I thought was Uranus, the planet of like upheaval, chaos. Yeah. Like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this crazy thing. Um, so he was making, doing a crazy thing. Uranus is also tech- associated with technology. That's true. So Jupiter conjunct Uranus is like I'm being taken by UFOs. Disruption in technology. Yeah. Jesus. We don't know. We don't know. And his son was moving into a conjunction with Neptune. Neptune, like, what's going on? What's the, what's the truth? Uh, no one knows. I wish someone would like reopen this case. I mean, you can't do anything without the fact that you can't. You don't have his body or the aircraft. You can't really do anything. I guess. Well. We had this podcast and we explored the case. <laughs> I feel like Carly <laughs> explains it all is the name of this <laughs> podcast. We explored it. We don't have any good theories, but let's do our final. What do you think? What, what do you think is the best guess of what happened to Frederick Valentek? Oh, man, this is hard. I think he went out. God, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I think he intentionally went out to look. I do. I think he went out to look for something. I think he was like on a quest. And I think it's just so hard to say if he intentionally there's, Oh my God. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I don't think he was abducted. I think his plane crashed far away from where they were looking. What I don't know is if he intentionally did that or if it just happened. Or if someone or something made it happen. I'm going to go with double life. I'm going to go with he was having an affair. Yeah. At the end of the day, the moral of the story is don't have an affair. What do you think? I really, really want to believe that it was aliens. I know you do. I know you do. I really, really, and all the the other sightings, I really want to believe it was aliens. But yeah, there's something in the chart that makes me think he was having an affair. He was meeting someone else. He do do I think he intentionally ended his own life or was he trying to be part of UFO lore and then I did something like dangerous and flew far away and crashed his plane? It's almost like people... he was a martyr for something bigger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what it kind of feels like to me. Like, he was a martyr for something bigger. But I do believe that there was an affair because why not? Because we got to make a movie about this and that has to be an aspect of it. Yeah. Because there's got to be a sex scene. Sex cells. I'm going to write this movie. <laughs> write, write the movie. Write movie. Or, you know, you could, it doesn't even have to be this. It could be like write a disappearance about a, a, a kid pilot who believes in UFOs who wants to stage his own UFO abduction. How has no one written about that? How has this not been like, I mean, I guess it was on. It was on Unsolved Mysteries, but that was yeah. the big thing. Yeah. But it would make a good movie. Yeah. If, yeah. Especially Somebody like from, from the point of view of the woman who would waiting there at the restaurant at 730. <laughs> <laughs> waiting at the diner. The Australian diner with her crayfish in tow. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, man. That's She's sad. just like sitting there with her like cheek on her hand watching the kangaroos hop by. She's got like a dress on and like, those little caps they wear and I don't know. And the, the waitress comes by. Do you want another refill on your coffee? <laughs> this is awful. We're writing the movie now, guys. This podcast became something else. We're writing the movie. 
And then she said, I'll have what she's having. And that's the end of the scene. Oh, so where can people find you, Alyssa? I don't know. Um, (laughs) If I'm not on the Disney studio picket line, where am I? Um, I'm at all the socials at Alyssa MP. So E-L-Y-S-S-A-M-P. That's me. And are you doing any shows next? I perform all the time. Um, I'm doing stand-up. I'm so grateful for that. I'm um, I'm doing stand-up all over all the time. So it, they, they're always up on like my socials because I don't know where I am unless I look at my own social media. But yeah, I'm performing. Cool. Come see me. And then next year is going to be your big year. Yay. So we'll do a check-in. Oh my again. God. The, I look forward to that. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Music for the show is provided by Bruno Loredo. Follow us on Instagram at the Astrology of Terrible Things. All one word.